Hey, welcome to that badass podcast. I'm Kaylee, your realistic nutritionist, helping you find the balance between green smoothies and red wine. And I'm Ashley, the creator of Royally Fit, that went from obsessive exercising and calorie counting to living a free, unrestrictive, and badass life. We are here to build a tribe of babe-supporting babes so you can thrive in your fitness, health, and mental wealth. So if you like to keep it real, raw, and controversial, welcome. Let's get started. Boom! Nailed that shit! (laughs) After like 18 tries. Hey guys, welcome back to That Badass Podcast. We are hanging out with, obviously, Kaylee, but also registered holistic nutritionist, Dana Green Remedios. She graduated 10 years ago, has an incredible amount of experience. She could probably talk a lot about different things, but today we're going to (laughs) be specifically focused on menopause. So she actually went through menopause herself eight years ago, and she's going to be sharing a little bit about her story, but then also how she helps her clients go through a more holistic menopause experience. So the symptoms aren't as intense and they feel supported. So would you say that sounds about right, Dana? Absolutely. That sounds great. Thank you. (laughs) Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you very much uh, for coming and joining us at 7 a.m. BC time. Yeah. Yeah. You brought up early for us. Yeah. (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. So um, we would just love for you to kind of, for our listeners to get to know you and kind of share a little bit about your story and why you became interested in actually focusing on menopause uh, as a registered holistic nutritionist and like your experience going through it. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've always been really interested in women's health, but I've also felt like we got the short end of the stick a lot of the time when it came to getting appropriate attention and care around our hormones, starting with our periods and birth control and all the help that we might need through our whole reproductive years. Uh, you know, there aren't always a lot of reassuring options being given and not all general practitioners are well-versed in female hormones. So I see this as a space where there could be a lot more practitioners that focus on women's health, um, just being available to help women that need that help. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what did that look like for you when you were going, cause you went through early menopause, right? When was that? Yeah. So I guess it started even when I was a child, I had a sort of, I, I guess an unconventional view, even from being very young. I saw my mom give birth to my sister at home. I helped to cut the umbilical cord. I saw that her version of, Hey, birth can be painless was super different than what was being portrayed just out in the general media. And then later on, when I had my son, I found I was able to reproduce that and not have a really a painful birth. And I realized that your expectations and your mindset can have a huge effect on your outcomes. And I feel that that could be the same with menopause. So I did happen to go through menopause with very few of the typical uncomfortable symptoms. I did get hot flashes. I do feel like my whole body temperature is a lot hotter now than before I went through the change. I used to be a very cold person, but in general, I went through it without a lot of discomfort. The other thing I noticed though, is that for me, my hormones have affected my mental health ever since I was like, got my period basically. And ever since I was first put on birth control, And no one ever made that connection for me that actually birth control can affect rates of depression. 
can affect rates of suicide. And for me, hormone replacement therapy later on, when that was given to me, triggered depression. And when I went to the endocrinologist and said, hey, I'm suicidal within two or three days of taking this hormone replacement therapy. What do you think about that? He said, no, wouldn't be related, must be you. And I've suddenly all these pieces clicked into place for me, like boom, 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 boom. This has been what made me depressed my whole life. Every time I was on hormones, what is there what, with that connection and how many other people are going through this? I want to find out more about that. Okay. So when did you go through hormone replacement and why did you do that? When I first was officially diagnosed as being in menopause, meaning I was more than 12 months past my last period. I was experiencing some uncomfortable symptoms. And I basically had the fear put into me that if you don't do hormone replacement therapy, you went through menopause young, your bones don't have a chance, your heart, your brain, they're all going to deteriorate. And the language that people were using with me, and I mean the medical professionals that were seeing me at the time, they were basically saying that everything in my body was atrophying. And that didn't make me feel good. They're saying your vagina is atrophying, your bladder is going to atrophy, your heart is going to start having problems, your bones are going to start to disintegrate. And here's the hormone replacement therapy to stop all of that from happening. And what age was this when this started for you? Um, So the hormone replacement therapy, um, when I first tried it, I was just 40. Okay. So, or 30, 39, 40. And so, yeah, this was pretty early as far as things go for most people. Um, But I started having symptoms of skipping periods and perimenopause, I would say as early as 32, 33, 34 years old. So actually at the time, I didn't recognize that that's what it was. Um, But I've, like I say, was raised very unconventionally. And also I've always attacked anything that I didn't understand about, that I was ignorant about, and just made it my mission to learn about that thing in order to feel more confident about it. So that's what I've kind of done with this topic. I've decided to dive in and find out more about hormones because hormone replacement therapy is really the gold standard of care. And getting it is the probably the best care that you can get from your general practitioner. And in fact, you can get a lot worse care than having them offer it to you. In fact, a lot of people aren't having it offered to them. They're having instead uh, antidepressants offered to them or other types of, of things because they're not being recognized as needing the hormones. And so what I'd like to do is instead of, you know, taking, I want to take people from this maybe not being recognized as being horm- like hormonally based at all and menopausal at all to um, not only recognizing that it could be based on perimenopause, like feelings that you're having or symptoms that you're having could be perimenopausal um, symptoms, but also going past this HRT as the gold standard of care to what more can there be to not only prevent these symptoms, reduce these symptoms, but do better than just replace the hormones because menopause is normal. It's natural. We don't necessarily have to 
replace all those hormones, treating menopause as if it's an unnatural occurrence and our hormones aren't supposed to diminish. They are. It's, but if the only thing that you've got are hormones, then, you know, take them. But I want to do better than that. I want to say, what else can we do in terms of diet, exercise, lifestyle, prevention, you know, herbs? What is there for us that we can manage this in a much more sophisticated way and have much better outcomes? I love that because I feel like when it comes to menopause, one, it wasn't talked about a lot for a long time through women. And I think some of the women that are still going through menopause are still in that mindset of not talking about things. And there's like the, you know, like the stereotypical expectations that, you know, you're going to have hot flashes. You're going to be with crazy and everybody laughs at like, Oh, she's just freaking out because she's going through menopause. And there's kind of these cliche things that people talk about. One, that's fair because a woman going through her whole body is transforming and to mock that and just write them off as, oh, you're hormonal. That's not fair. So I really like that you touch on that. And then you're also saying there's way more than just one way to manage this. Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of women, like even my mom, it's like, there's not really doing much to just kind of riding through it. And I'm like, oh, like there's things that you could have done to make it so that your hot flashes weren't so bad and that you were feeling more stable, I guess, would maybe be the word, as opposed to from what I gather with menopause, you can feel sometimes fairly irrational. And, and supported. Like it's, you know, I always sound like I'm ripping on the medical industry, like the, like the general practitioner, but like, it's like, it's going back to that whole bandaid effect. It's just like, put a bandaid over it, put a bandaid over it. Here are your hormone replacement therapy. Um, and sometimes it's more than that, right? It's, you can take that holistic, maybe we don't need to put a bandaid over it. Like you said, Dana, it's more of like, how can we support you through something that's actually really natural. So, and that's not to say that there's not a place for hormone replacement therapy because it actually worked out well for me. I had bioidentical hormone replacement therapy after losing my period for two years and it worked, it, it worked like, and I, yep. I was able to get my period again, but yep. I, I, I was in my mid twenties and going through menopause wasn't, I wasn't looking forward to that. I was maybe, I'm like, maybe I'll have a kid one day. I don't know. Yep. And so, you know, maybe there's a place for it, but when you are actually going through menopause and maybe you've done that stuff rather than resisting it and throwing that bandaid over it, maybe there's a way that we can kind of like decriminalize something that's natural. To well, it's have very it. I feel like it's very isolating for women mm-hmm. and that they, well, yeah. there's not that support that there is for other things that are happening in people's lives. You know what I mean? And other, I don't want to say like disease because this isn't a disease, but like transitions that our bodies are going through. And I, I feel like a lot of women are just kind of left yeah. on their own to try to figure it out and they don't know what they should be doing. Yeah. So like yeah. mentally and physically, they're going through changes, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so walk us through that. Like how, like how do you support a woman like that, that is going through that is, is okay going through that and how do you support them holistically? Well, I think it depends where that woman is when she realizes that she wants some support on this because I think you're absolutely right. I think everything you said is so, so true. A lot of it is you feel stigmatized because there's this running joke at the office about the crazy women that are going through menopause and and everyone actually tends to relate to the the joker who's working with these people and feeling bad for him usually who's working with these irrational women that are going through menopause and they, you know, they support him and but her individual experience is she's going through it all alone. They're all joking about his suffering together as a group, but her experience of going through this menopause is her own all by herself. And you're absolutely right. It can be super alienating. So trying to first 
just let that person know that I'm in their corner, that I'm there for them. And that, you know, I want to kind of be that guide to help them feel that they're not alone and that it can be better than it is wherever they're starting from. That's first and foremost. I think that everything to do with our reproductive system, like our birth control, we don't talk to a lot of people about that when we're going to seek that from our our doctors in the beginning or whatever we're doing. We don't necessarily get a lot of um, community support on things that have to do with our uterus, like anything to do with our endometriosis or PCOS or fibroids. Like we just keep that shit to ourselves. If it has to do with something under our bathing suit, it's like we don't talk about it in public. And like we really need to like pull the veil off of all of it and just start to talk about it because one of the things that you can do to actually reduce hot flashes when you're older, if you follow the Kundalini kind of way of thinking about it, is to have a lot of great orgasms. For example, like when you're younger, releasing all of that sexual energy so that it's not necessarily coming up in in hot flashes of of repressed energy later. But buy somebody a vibrator that's going through menopause. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if we can get comfortable with our anatomy, absolutely. And we can get comfortable with, um, oh, just one second. So sorry. That's okay. Still have alarm clocks going off here. It's all good. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, if we can support people in embracing their sexuality as well as, you know, really being honest with what's going on with us in terms of our moods and our feelings and, and open about it, that's the best thing we can do. Like if we can start at a young age to ask for the support that we need ask for the life that we want and start to say no to stuff that makes us not happy, not have joy, that makes us overwork, that makes us feel overburdened. That's part of managing our menopause. Like if in your thirties, you can stop being superwoman a little bit. That's the best thing you can do for your menopause. Believe it or not. It's not all about eating salad. It's really, it's really about loving yourself enough to, to say, if you're not getting, for example, sexually satisfied, that that's not okay. And that ends now. And we're going to, you know, do something about that, whether that's on you to start to, you know, work out your muscles a little bit more so that they're working for you a bit better, or whether that's, you know, on you and your partner, because, you know, through communication, there's things that you that you want to do now that are completely lifestyle related. They're not so much just about, you know, popping something for your hormones. It's really about your stress level, your energy level and how you're taking care of yourself. I love that you brought up sex because I feel like when women are going through this phase, they feel so unsexy. The word unbarren is like thrown around and to just give them that like liberation to still feel sexy and like once you've had an orgasm, your mood is better. You're more relaxed. You're just going to feel happier. So that's actually a really smart tip that I never would have even thought of. Yeah. You never regret an orgasm. Like you never regret a workout. Yeah. So I have a question though, because I know that there are a lot of women when they go through menopause that they're not like, they don't get as lubricated and they're not necessarily as horny. So how would you stimulate something like that when you're really just not even in the mood or you're not wet? Yeah, that's a great question. So there will be ups and downs. Actually, the lack of lubrication and the lack of sexual feelings 
is something that we are all very familiar with. We expect it to happen. It's one of those expectations of menopause. But before that happens, I'd like to be optimistic for a moment and just let everybody that's listening know that often there's a period of increased sexuality just even before you go into your menopausal phase. This perimenopausal phase isn't just a phase of low estrogen. It can also be full of surges of high estrogen. And there can be moments where you, I mean, your ovaries are going through their final hurrah. They're full of fireworks and you are like so wet and juicy and you are just so into it. And actually that can be as hard on a relationship, believe it or not, as the later phase where you're feeling kind of dried up and not in the mood and nobody wants to be touched. Um, and actually those phases can can come and go. So you might be like, don't touch me one day and then you know, jumping on your partner the next day. But vaginal lubrication um, has come a long way in terms of what you can purchase to supplement your own vaginal lubrication. That's come a long way. And we do live in the day of online shopping. So you can buy some natural lubricants that don't have the same kind of chemicals that are really going to support um, pleasure without contributing to you know, any further problems down there. So um, there's one, I believe it's called Moisture Palm. That's a natural product that you can get that's just full of like pomegranate extract and all kinds of really great stuff that you're going to feel like you're, you're giving a spa treatment <laughs> to yourself while you're like using vaginal lubricant. And, you know, don't be afraid to experiment and and try a few different ones to find what works. And don't be afraid to go through a lot of it and buy in bulk at the store and don't be, don't be embarrassed, you know, like it's just, if that's what you need to use to enjoy sex, like do it. But I think we get really scared because words like atrophy get thrown around. Like what doctor is going to tell a man like, oh yeah, by the way, your penis is going to atrophy. Like <laughs> penis, it would never, it's so insulting to hear like, oh yes, your, your vagina is going to atrophy. I mean, it's so upsetting because <laughs> I mean, this is a big part of who you are, you know, is like, this is the core of, of your being in some ways. Right. And, and then people are just telling you like, oh yeah, it's just going to shrivel up and die. Like it's, it's super scary to hear that. Um, I will say there's, there's some things you can't, you can't stop the tides completely, but there doesn't it doesn't have to be just a, a marching along to uh, your you know your ultimate demise um one of the reasons that i went to try hormone therapy was that i knew that my bladder was probably shrinking because i need to pee all the time and it started a long time ago but now i can't sleep through the night i'm up all the time to go pee and um and luckily this didn't start happening to me in my 20s or after I gave birth because a lot of the time that does happen where women lose control of their their bladder or they start to become incontinent. I've always had really good control. I knew that what's going on with me isn't related to poor muscle control. It's just about a shrinking bladder. I just have to get up and go all the time. And taking hormones, actually using vaginal um, hormone creams um, can actually help to delay some of that or slow it down or prevent some of the atrophying of the bladder so that you can continue to, um, you know, maybe sleep through the night potentially. But sexually, 
I think that exercises that we can do are one of the best things. And so I really would recommend that if you're not already doing kegels or working with your trainer on pelvic floor strengthening or just core strengthening in general, I mean, those are, it's all our core muscles that have a lot to do with all of that. And just really trying to lift everything inside of us because it can start to to stag. So, and I don't mean, you know, the breasts, I mean, literally like lifting up the uterus, lifting up the internal organs using um, exercise. You know, that's one of the best things that we can do is just to stay fit, use exercise. And um, if, if your partner, um, you know, and you need to adapt your sex experience a bit, you know, then do it. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, no, just adapt. <laughs> communicates a big one too. Absolutely. Like if if you're not, if you're not feeling horny and you're noticing that you feel like, like, yeah, less desire, but less like lubrication, you're getting less wet, then maybe you need to talk to your partner about what you guys can do as a couple to help with that. Yes. Communication is key on this because I think so many men are so confused of what it is. They have no idea. They're afraid to walk into the room and it's like being open. Like, even when I'm having like an anxious moment, for example, like sometimes I'll say to Justin and I'm like, I'm in a, this mood. It's not about you. I'm really sorry if I come off this way, but just so you know, like I'm just kind of going through something. And then he knows that he's like, it's not to take it personal or that I'm not mad at him. He just kind of gives me my space. So I think if you can just explain to your partner and the people around you, whether it's your kids or like siblings or anything like that, just letting them know where you're at is a lot more helpful for everybody instead of everybody walking on eggshells. Yep, absolutely. And do the same thing with your healthcare providers. Like just be honest with them so they know. I think if we don't express everything that we're feeling, then we can't get the support that we need. That comes with our friends and family, you know, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But sexually, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to kind of go into, if we could talk about some supplements and things like natural herbs and stuff that people can also take to help decrease some of the symptoms and make them feel they're like more optimal. Sure. So if you're not sure exactly what's happening, um, then I think that there's maybe diet and lifestyle stuff even prior to herbs that you can do that are more likely to help regardless of what your problem is. So what I'm trying to say is if you don't know if you have high or low estrogen or low progesterone or what exactly is the issue, instead of self-treating with herbs, it can be more helpful to just support your body. First of all, almost all of our hormones, if we want to optimize them, respond to sleep. So that's one of the things that we could do first and foremost, make sure we're getting about 7.5 hours of sleep. It might be more, it might be less for you. Next is managing stress. So good stress, you stress, appropriate stress, that's fine. But if there's something in your life that you know you need to take care of, that you can take care of, it's in your power to take care of, like an unfulfilling relationship or a really crap job, do it. If you have taxes that you should have filed six months ago, just like, if you can't do it yourself, get someone to do it for you. Get it off your plate. Like start to delegate things that are stressing you out, even if it's like cleaning your house delegate stuff, deal with your stress. Then for the things that you can't necessarily just delegate away, um, you know, you have things like loss and, and, you know, stress at work that 
you're not going to be able to change really quickly, or maybe you have like long-term financial stress, whatever it is for those things, get as much support as you can. So adaptogenic herbs are really great. I do like mushrooms a lot for just chilling everything out. Ashwagandha is really great. If you think that you're having um, potentially some thyroid stuff, but it's not being addressed by um, you know, some sort of helpful medical professional or healthcare professional, and you just know something's up with your thyroid, ashwagandha can be a good place to start just to help you get through that until you get it addressed properly. Um, and, and other types of adaptogenic mushrooms are really great just for energy and stuff like that. So I think that um, for long-term energy support, cordyceps, reishi, those are great. And I would definitely say anybody could probably go out and just start using those or a mushroom blend without needing to know exactly what's wrong with them. Well, that's great now because adaptogenic herbs have become so much more mainstream than they ever have been in the past. So it's not hard to find these things. You can go to any health food store, ashwagandha. You can get like the um, like mushroom capsules, even right. So you don't have to like taste it. And like there, any health food store, anyone can walk into and say, "This is what I'm looking for," and you'll be able to find so many. And they're really not insanely expensive too, which is nice. That's right. Um, I do think sometimes when it comes to adaptogens you do get what you pay for and it is good to go for the slightly more expensive one. KSM 99 is a um, ashwagandha extract that I recommend. There are other um, brands of mushrooms that I think are really good. So I would maybe recommend going for a well, like a reputable brand of mushroom, um, especially because I think that, and this, I'm going to segue a bit into detoxing, um, either now or in, uh, in the future of the podcast, but I feel like, um, getting a brand of mushrooms that is high quality may reduce your risk for ingesting unwanted heavy metals. And I feel that that's important because I think the toxin, it part of the equation is a huge part of the equation that's missed in mainstream medicine. So I, I may sound like I'm really, um, you know, slagging mainstream medicine. I'm not, I feel like there's a huge place for, um, getting relief and getting help that can come from your endocrinologist or even your GP. Um, but I do feel that there are pieces of the puzzle that get missed in mainstream that you may need to go to someone else to get support with. So to get the best help when it comes to herbs, I would go to someone like a naturopath or someone else that can help you with that. And you may also want to go see um, like a counselor or behavioral, a cognitive behavioral therapist, or even a sexual counselor that can help you um, with those aspects, because it's, it's not just one thing. It's this combination of of things that we need to look at. So we have basically six major hormones uh, or or, um, types of hormones that might be all affected because when one hormone's affected, like if your ovarian hormones are going crazy or your adrenal hormones are going crazy, all the rest are affected. And that's why we need to look at your thyroid. We need to look at um, your blood sugar. We need to look at all because they're all going to be affected and connected. And that's why the symptoms can be really crazy. So some of the supplements I would bring on board would be to help with blood sugar or adrenals or thyroid, and it will end up helping you with your sex hormone imbalance as well. So I actually have a question. Would 
intermittent fasting be beneficial at all for somebody going through menopause? If, if they were to come to me and I would say, first of all, yes, the short answer, yes, it can be. Two things that can work really well for women going through menopause are intermittent fasting and cyclical ketogenesis. So um, doing um, a kind of women-focused, very green version of keto with carb ups or intermittent fasting can both be super helpful. And I think that intermittent fasting um, really helps the women who could use a growth hormone boost because growth hormone starts to come down and that is really important for so many aspects of our health, including our bones and all these other things. So if that's what they need, then the intermittent fasting might really benefit them. And if they're really having the um, it, problems with their sleep and they're having like the, the middle weight gain, yeah. then it can really help that as well. I like that when you brought up the keto though, you said it's literally geared to women going through this. So it's not just like a free for all that a lot of people jump on that keto bandwagon for weight loss and all these other things, but this is actually like done properly. Like you said, more green focused and with carb up. So and cyclical. Yeah. yeah. Would you say it's similar to carb cycling? It's a kind of, yeah. Carb cycling is one way to look at it or just if, if you are restricting yourself in any way, even if you're just calling it like eating healthy, that you sometimes relieve some of that restriction. I'd say maybe weekly, um, or if you work out, you can maybe even relieve it, you know, you know, eat a bit more carbs more often. I'm just saying that if you're restricting all the time, that can actually over time start to have a really negative effect on the female hormones and the thyroid hormones. And, and basically we go into starvation mode. And if you've ever dieted before, which is like almost everybody, then that gets triggered. So I do think carving up or doing it cyclically um, can really help to keep things moving really well for women and usually works out better long-term. That's a hundred percent why I lost my period. Okay. I I was really restrictive, over-exercising, taking diet pills, binging, like I did all the bad shit. And uh, nobody was addressing that at my doctor's appointments, um, which is amazing that we're actually talking about this because I think that there's some women that might be listening, whether they're going through menopause or maybe they're even trying to have a child and they're being extremely restrictive. And for me, like letting go of that restriction and then actually increasing my carbohydrates had profound effects on my hormones and and me emotionally. Um, So yeah, and socially, I mean, I can go on and on, but yeah, I think that's a really good thing because it's, yeah, we talked, you know, we talked a lot about like the mindset about around menopause. And then we kind of talked about like the holistic side. And that also includes, because a lot of women that are going through menopause, they do gain weight in their stomach. They don't have yeah. as much lean muscle, right? Especially yeah. if they're not working out. So then they be, start to become more restrictive because they're, they don't like the changes that they're seeing. They're not used to it. They're like, I've never had this before. What the hell is going on? Right. And then they yeah. start to move into more of that restrictive state, almost out of desperation. Yeah wanting them all, their old selves back again, but then they're actually doing damage. Yes. Yeah. You've, yeah, that's absolutely true. You nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, I like that you've touched on a lot of this and that like, it's like all of this stuff comes before the herbs and putting that bandaid over it, because let's face it, like when you're in your forties, if you're starting to go through menopause or even your thirties, like this is also when you have young families, maybe your parents are aging. 
things like you have so much stress in your life, right? And there's like, and like, we're trying to do it all. And we're not addressing that shit and asking for help. We're just like, Oh, just give me something for it. Right. Well, I really do think it's important when you're going through this transition to go and see somebody that specializes in this, because yeah, if you walk into the health store, health food store and you're like, Oh, on the podcast, they said ashwagandha was good for me. Yes, it is great for you, but maybe you should actually go see someone, find out the proper dosage. So for me, like I went and saw my functional medicine doctor for my anxiety and I'm on a high dose of ashwagandha, like higher than just like the average one you would get at the health food store. So it's literally supplemented for me and my needs. So I think actually going in and coming up with a plan with somebody, whether it's a nutritionist, a naturopath, functional medicine doctor, so that you're on the same page and you understand why you're taking things, you understand- the changes that you're feeling are supposed to happen as opposed to this complete guessing game where you're like, Oh, but I heard on a podcast, I should take this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And from working within the supplement industry, I can tell you that the dosage on the bottle, that is, you know, a good general dose, but it might not be the perfect one for you. And it's only in working with practitioner or, or getting more personalized advice that you might know that for your body weight, you might need a bigger dose or for your, like for your state of health, you might need to. And actually another thing that I see a lot is a lot of the time women are hypersensitive and need to be titrated up from a tiny little dose because they can't start with a full dose. So there's a whole range of experiences out there. And yeah, definitely going to, um, going to a specialist would be the best thing or someone that specializes in what you think you're going through. But a lot of the time women won't even know that this is anything to do with perimenopause because it could be acne. It could be, you know what, I'm feeling socially like I don't want to hang out with anybody anymore. That's perimenopause. We have no idea when that's happening that that's perimenopause. We're just like, you know what? I just want to pull away from everything right now, whatever. And yeah, I don't really feel like, you know, hugging people. That could be perimenopause. Like it could be so many different things that we're like, oh, it's it's gut related. It's IBS. Yeah, it could be. But, um, you know, thyroid acting up and all the things that come with that, like hair falling out, hands and feet, dry, dry skin or skin issues, those could be perimenopausal. Like there's all kinds of things that could be related to perimenopause that that you don't recognize that that's what it is because you're not expecting it. That's and exactly what I was just going to say. It's not expected and it's not the ones that are talked about the most. Yeah, and that's what you were mentioning before. Like there's these expected things, the hot flashes and and maybe the you know irrationality. Um, you know, we think that it's going to be your period stop, your estrogen goes down, you get hot flashes. And then within a few years, maybe starting at 45 or something, I'm going to transition through menopause. And then by 51, I'm done, which is, that's the expectation. But the reality is very different. Like we also have these negative expectations. We picture this ugly, haggard old crone in a cabin in the woods by herself, (laughs) you know, where we got this image. I don't know, this crabby witch people tiptoe around her and she's just like a no filter, like, you know, and, and people kind of fear becoming that they fear being alone and ugly and worn out and weak and crabby. And they're really repulsed by that whole image. They reject it. So they don't want to think that what could be happening to them is leading them in that direction. So they, they don't, they're not really even open to the idea that maybe, Oh, my acne could be related to perimenopause. Right. But the reality is it could be really different. Like your 
and your period stopping might actually be like the least important factor in this whole transition thing. And they might actually continue and you're already, you're definitely in perimenopause, but you're cycling every month. And so we have this concept that the period stopping is like the thing, but really you could be cycling every month, but they could be a little irregular or they could be a little spotty or they could be a little short. And what might be happening is you are actually not ripening an egg in every cycle. And so when no egg ripens in your ovary, then that is not there to become a a corpus lucium, which isn't there to secrete progesterone. So you go through that cycle without an egg and without progesterone, but you still have the rest of the cycle carries on, but it's just with estrogen. So you shed your lining, you know, you see the sign that, oh, this must mean that everything's normal and you carry on. But really um, with no ovulation and no progesterone, you could be cycling. And that is, that's what estrogen dominance is. That's when your whole cycle is dominated by estrogen alone and there's no progesterone and there's no, there's no egg. And you don't know that you're not that fertile, first of all. So you might not be rushing to have a baby that you want because it, nobody told you that you could still be cycling, but starting to not have eggs, which can happen. So that's number one for the women that want to get, you know, that have put off having a baby, but they want one. They need to know that that can be the case. And two, you need to know that that, that means you're estrogen dominant. So I always had this idea back in my 30s that estrogen dominant meant I had really high estrogen levels. It's not necessarily what it means. It could mean that you have no progesterone. And so in comparison, your estrogen is really high. And the symptoms that go with that are crazy. Like there are a lot of symptoms that can go with that and they can make everything else you're going through feel 10 times worse. And so what you need for that is not estrogen replacement therapy, but actually progesterone to feel better. And so knowing to look out for this early on, like just irregular or spotty periods or periods that just seem a bit different, that's really important because that can start to happen to you in your 30s. Oh, shit. Which I have a question. Um, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but like with regards to the whole egg thing, um, you know how when you're ovulating, you get like that kind of like stringy um, discharge? Like you mm-hmm. in your fingers? Love that stuff. I don't get that stuff anymore. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, whoo, it slides like crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyways, if, you, if you're not getting that anymore, would that actually be a sign that maybe you're not um, having healthy eggs like the normal? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just trying That's to find great. what would be a sign that like maybe your eggs aren't as healthy. Like the way you're explaining, you're still menstruating, but what are the signs that maybe things aren't as good? That's, that's a great question. Actually, I think if, if you can track your periods, if you can track your cycles, um, not just like your bleeds, but like, you know, track how long your whole cycle is, track your bleeds, track your, um, definitely your lubrication. The earlier you start, the better you're going to be. Like, it's really about self-knowledge. Like, you know, when you're a nutritionist, you probably put people on like a food journal or a food mood poop journal because it's this great tool to find out you know, how pe- what their baseline is or how they're doing. And sometimes that's all you need to get them to change because they see what they're doing and it's very informative, right? It's very, it's like very eye-opening. But we could do that when it comes to our cycles and we can include like, okay, what am I eating? What's my food? What's my mood? What's my poop? What's my cycle? What's my sleep? Right? 
you track those things and, and you're going to be amazed at what you see over the course of your life. Like the good old fashioned, keep a diary, but not so-and-so is ignoring me today, but no, like really, but like, what was my food, my mood, my poop, my sleep, my, my cycle, you track those things. You're going to be like with so armed with so much information when you need to go ask somebody if what's going on with you is normal or healthy, or if there's anything that you can do about it. Well, it's funny because I actually have the app on my phone called flow and I've been tracking for about the last year. So I just pulled mine up here and it says period in seven days. I'm pretty regular. It might be a day or two off and I have a low chance of getting pregnant. So I can go in there. I can log my period. I can also log any symptom that I have. If I'm feeling bloated, nauseous, uh, high sex drive, low sex drive. And so now like I've always thought I was really irregular and my period was off, but like it was a bit when I got off the pill, but now like I see that I'm regular. I know when I'm ovulating, I'm not trying to get pregnant. So I know to avoid sex during time or at least have protected if I am. And so now it's so easy when people are like, I don't have time. Like it literally, I just log in my period, a couple symptoms during it. And then I get a reminder when my period's getting close and I can just, again, check and see, oh, I'm ovulating. I, I now can tell when I am, but I didn't used to know how it wasn't something I paid attention to. So like we yeah. have so much information and so many tools to track this. that There's really no excuse. It's so easy. It's a free app. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of things that are happening now that make this have a lot of potential to be the best time you're ever to be a woman, to be going through, you know, just to be a woman or to be going through perimenopause or to be menopausal. Like there are a lot of things that we have now that make it way better. We have a lot better ability to communicate with each other and share information and give each other a sense of community and really support each other through it. Because just sharing the huge variety of experiences that we have is so reassuring to find out that you feeling distant and not wanting to socialize with people and you want to stay home and knit, that there are a lot of other women going through that too. That can just be so that you're home knitting by yourself, knowing that other people are home knitting by themselves too. Like that makes a lot of people feel better. So I feel like if you're young, you should start to be proactive now. But if you're older, you can also start to use things like social media for good, like reach out to people on Facebook. We know that middle-aged women are the main people on Facebook. Anyway, there are lots of groups there that you can reach out to, to have support. I was going to say that. I would assume there'd be a lot of Facebook groups geared just to women going through menopause. And yeah, like it's a hard. cool thing to go and read and just not feel so isolated or like, is this normal? You know, it, it's yeah. so lucky now with the technology that they have. I, I feel for all the women that have went through this decades ago that there was, they weren't allowed to talk about it and they weren't supposed to show symptoms. They still had to be the caretaker. And, you know, it's, it's, we're so blessed now with all the knowledge that we have, the communities that we can have and the support that we can get from others. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Although I feel like we we've come a long way and things are better for us in a lot of ways, but we've also lost some of this, I guess, inherent knowledge that we, that this stage doesn't have to be just that scary old crone sort of um, imagery, right? Like the archetype could be the wise woman, the shaman. Like we don't necessarily have to become the witch, right? And, and even if we do, there's a lot of power in that. Like we get past the phase of having to take care of everybody else. And we do step into a phase of finding our voices and speaking up for ourselves and having to get what we need and take care of 
what we want. And, and really there comes a time where if people are not supporting you, that you find a way to say no, and I'm don't care about being polite to you anymore and, and move on with whatever you need for yourself. And I feel like that's an amazing transition that can happen during this time. And it doesn't mean that you have to become less caring or less kind, but it does mean that you can start to, I mean, maybe speak your truth more easily. And that old woman in the woods, that could represent her freedom from the tribal group mindset. That can represent what in other cultures has always been like when you stop losing that blood, you're actually retaining all your power and energy. Like that is what, it, that's how it's seen in a lot of cultures, like whether it be the Mayan culture or Kundalini, where it's seen as like your, your energy is, is in there. And those hot flashes, that is insight coming up. Like that is literally energy that you are able to manifest, making you powerful. So we can see it that way and we can choose to have that different view of it, which they, they do hold in other cultures. I love that. And yeah. I, the one thing I would, I've said this before on the podcast, cause Ashley and I've talked a lot about aging and everything. I know I'm only 32. So my opinion could change, but how, what I really try to do when it comes to aging and, and it, if you make it to menopause, it's kind of like, I made it. There are a lot of people that have lost their lives before they were able to make menopause. And I, I understand that aging is scary. It's confusing. You definitely don't ever you see yourself in the mirror, you look different, but you still feel like that younger version of you. But just remembering that like, I'm still on this earth. I'm still alive and breathing and experiencing things and trying to find gratitude in that as opposed to being like, I'm dried up and it's old. It's like, no, this is the next chapter. And yeah. one of the TV shows, it's like my favorite TV show is Grace and Frankie. Oh yeah. And like, I love that they talk about like their dildo and they have their lube for like women that have went through menopause. And again, we're coming into an age now and a time where we can celebrate these things. We don't have to shy away from it anymore. And yeah, like you said, being powerful and bold, like you're almost making it sound sexy. And I, I like that you're getting people to take their power back. Well, it's, it's all about shifting, like you're saying, in different cultures. It's all about how the conversations that are happening and the way it's viewed. It's like, let's get away from it, viewing it as something that's really negative and rather and view it as something that's really empowering. So the same thing with aging. So whether that's aging lines in your face or it's your vagina aging, it's like, let's just celebrate the fact that like, let's, look at, it, let's look at it as like something that's very empowering and shift the conversation around that rather than just being like, oh shit, how do I change this? Like, how do I prevent this from happening even though yeah, you can't botox away menopause <laughs> yeah yeah i wonder if people yeah. botox their vaginas yeah. what's that I wonder, if, I wonder if people botox their vagina well actually so people do um vaginoplasty and they get vulvular you know um plumping and they do all of that stuff and it's a growing trend and like if we want to nip that in the bud i want to say if you want to do something for your vagina don't invest in a yoni egg go get a jade egg or a quartz egg or a, a yoni egg and start to work out with the yoni egg. If you want to do vaginal weightlifting, like if you want to show yourself that you're amazing, instead of looking in the mirror and saying, I'm amazing because I have no wrinkles. How about I'm amazing because I can like lift shit with my vagina. How about that? Like work it out until you can like squirt across the room and make that your next goal and put a target in your bedroom. Like yeah, maybe like the kids moved out of the house and you can put the target in the bedroom things, things open up for you, right? Like we need to start thinking about all the freedom that comes at this stage. Like I never think about what time of the month it is when I decide what I'm going to go do. I just go do it. I mean, it's, it's really freeing. There are a lot of 
things that, you know, are, are beneficial about this time. And we have to realize too, that the old mindset about menopause is, okay, your fertile life is over. And now, you know, you don't probably have much life left. That's not the truth anymore. There will likely be a full third of your life post transition, a full third. And the transition itself, we need to embrace it because in some people it takes, it it lasts 15 years. (laughs) So, you know, we can really like dig into that time as a metamorphosis, thinking of yourself as a butterfly who is just, I mean, it can be an awkward phase for sure. And people might not know how to relate to you because you might want to cocoon because you don't feel social. You might suddenly be coming out of there, you know, and you can fly and they don't know how to deal with you anymore. But I like the idea of, of perimenopause and menopause as a metamorphosis. And that afterwards, you are really free to fly in a way that you never were before. Yeah, I love it. I Can I just say, you were like the easiest interview. Like you're just so good at this. I'm so impressed. Like we had all these questions written down and you answered all of them before we even had to ask. Oh, <laughs> I'm just very impressed with your podcasting skills. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> So I know, we know that you have to go to work. So why don't we wrap it up now? Cause that was a beautiful kind of like analogy on, on menopause. And then why don't we, why don't we share like how people can find you, how people can work with you. Um, and then if you are going to do that blog, then we can direct them to that in our show notes. And then they can learn a little bit more about menopause. So if they didn't take any notes during this, that they can learn a little bit more about your holistic take on menopause. Sure. There's so much to say that um, in terms of, symptoms that might be signs that you're going through this and don't know it, or there's so much to say about balancing hormones and things, ways that you can be proactive to do that. Um, that definitely I'll ha- I'll write it all down for you and I'll, I'll create a blog post so that people can reference that. But yeah, in the, in the meantime, I hope that, um, people come away from this podcast, not being afraid of this transition, but also knowing that honestly, Taking care of yourself now, and I mean this in all honesty, it has a direct effect on your hormones. So really taking care to give yourself the quality products that are less toxic for you, um, making those choices, like maybe not to get the keratin hair treatment and having the big hair like I have right now, because you know that it's not good for you or not maybe getting the nails or the Botox or the breast implants, because now you've learned that those are not health supportive, making those decisions now when you're younger so that you'll have an easier like time with your hormones and you're older, like do that as part of your self-care. And if right now you're in your forties and you're like, you need three cups of coffee to get through the day because you've got so many things to do, try to change your life so that you just need one cup of coffee to get through the day. And that could influence a better menopause for you when you're older. And if you're already 50, then I would say, you know, take control of who you are today and own it. Like just own the body that you're in, own the phase that you're in and and be proud that you have come this far. You have all the knowledge that you have. And then, you know, recognize that you are now able to guide other women going through this. And that if you, if you feel like you were alone when you went through it, like you don't have to you don't have to feel alone because there are other people going through it that you can now mentor. Like you can be the shaman, you can be that wise woman. So I hope that, 
whoever is listening right now that they feel like there's something that they can do to, to really um, enjoy this hormonal transition. Yeah. You know what I'm really excited about? I'm What's up? <laughs> when I go through menopause that like Matt can actually come and meet all the time. Yep. And it you won't worry about getting pregnant. We're talking about <laughs> So we do have one follow-up question before we get to the last question. I want to say that I think you should write a book. Like you have so much information and I don't know, maybe there is a bunch of books on this. I'm sure there are some out there, but like, I just feel like you should write a book. Secondly, our <laughs> last question what makes you feel badass? Oh, uh, I love being the old lady at the rave. Yeah, I love house dancing. I love uh, like hip hop and break dancing and housing. And I love to be like the lady who's in my, in my 40s at the Transformational Music Festival and all the other kids, even if they're like, wigged out on something they still can't keep up with me that makes me feel badass that is such an awesome answer that is such a good answer so you live in vancouver you said when i fly out to my girlfriend i think we should try to meet up i feel like yeah 100 (laughs) percent yes that's amazing oh one last question do you have an instagram or facebook handle that people can find you at if they want to connect yeah yeah, I, I actually run a Facebook group, which is a uh, healthy habit. So you can find that one. Um, but my uh, Facebook account is just Dana Green Remedios. Okay. My full we'll name. Now it's, it's hard to spell. Yeah, we'll put that. We'll put that <laughs> yes. But uh, I love keeping my name. Uh, Remedios means cures or solutions. So uh, I love it. So I'm going to perfect job for you then that you landed in. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, especially getting up so early at BC time before you actually had to work to chat. So it was awesome getting to know you and it was great for you to share your story and we hope it was helpful. We're sure it was helpful to our listeners. Yep. All right. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. I have mad respect for both of you. So thanks so much. I'm so glad that you reached out. (laughs) Thank you. And don't forget to make make today badass. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That Badass Podcast. If you could do us a huge favor and head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review, we would be so grateful because you have no idea how much that helps us grow our podcast. Yeah, and as an incentive and a little bonus, we're going to be doing a monthly giveaway and it's going to be kind of a mix of everything that we have to offer. So one month it could be Royally Fit Online, joining our community. It could be from the Badass Boutique or maybe even just some like free recipes and like a coaching call or something with us. We will figure it out month by month as we go. So yeah, please go over iTunes, podcast app, leave us a five-star review. And once again, thank you so much for listening. Spare Room Studios.